Hello and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm joined, as always, today by Brad. Good to be here together on this cold winter day. It certainly is, and I am excited to talk about missions history again. I figured you might be. And we are going to continue today with our series on learning from the faithfulness of those who came before us. Last time we talked about a man who's known as the father of modern missions, William Carey. Yes, what an incredible story, and we were just getting to the best parts last week when we ran out of time. Well, maybe I can help our listeners remember where we were in Carey's story. Despite a lot of pushback from Christian leaders, Carey writes this very influential manuscript about why the gospel should go to the ends of the earth. Right, the one with the really long name. That's right. And he helps to create a Baptist mission society in England. And when we stopped last time, the mission society was starting to think about who might be their first missionary. And then they received this mysterious letter that you mentioned last time. That sound about right? Yes. So William Carey and the Baptist Society of Propagating the Gospel received this letter from a man named Dr. Thomas, who was a ship's doctor and traveled to India, and he begins to get a vision for sharing the gospel with Indians, but he wants some help. So he writes to the society, and then he comes to England to visit them, and he has this amazing letter. So I've got to know, what what was in the letter? Well, the letter was written by some upper-class Brahmin Indians, and in it they write this, "...have compassion on us and send us preachers and people to do translation work." So we have the people of in, these people in India who are so eager to hear the gospel and read God's word that they're writing and asking Christians to come. Wow. You know you've neglected the Great Commission when unreached peoples have to write and ask you to come. Exactly. And, and so Dr. Thomas shares this letter and says, I want to go back, but I need someone to come with me. And I just imagine there being this sort of awkward silence in the room. And, and then finally, Carrie breaks in and says, I will go. And there were three other men there with Carrie, and, and they were very excited about this. And one of them says, yes, go. There's a gold mine of souls to be dug for in India. And, and Carrie has this wonderful reply. He says, I will go down the mine if you will all hold the ropes for me. And the three men respond, we pledge to support you no matter what happens until the day we die. I mean, you can't make this stuff up any better than it was. Just an amazing moment in missions history. That's fantastic. I, I mean, what a... What a great example of not only obeying and going, but also obeying and sending. Yes. And so we have this very high moment for Carrie and the Mission Society, but they had a tough road ahead of them. Right. And I haven't heard you mention anything about Carrie's wife yet in in this exchange. So what does she think about going to India? Right. Her, Her name was Dorothy, but her friends called her Dolly. And she happens to be pregnant at the time. And they had another young child as well. And when Carrie comes back and tells her what he believes God is calling them to do, she says, no way, I'm not having a baby on a ship to India. Oh, no. So how does Carrie deal with this setback? Well, as we will continue to see, Carrie is not easily deterred by setbacks. So he continues to move forward, believing that God's going to provide. But he also continues to run into obstacles. He starts to speak at churches and ask them to support his plan to go to India. And he finds that many churches just aren't very excited about missions. He goes to this one church and shares, and they you know, have an offering at the end of the service, and, and Carrie and his companions go and kind of collect this, and they find that there's one penny in the offering plate. That's it. I, we were reading this as a family, and my son said, I wonder if a little kid like me gave that penny, Dad. So it's just, I mean, this, you know, a discouraging moment, I'm sure. I mean, he also goes to London after this to meet with the, the leadership of their denomination, and they will 
not support his efforts at all. They just don't agree theologically. So this is obviously a big setback. And there's, there's perhaps an even bigger obstacle that they have to overcome, and that is the fact that around this time, Parliament in England renews the British East India Company's charter to essentially control the affairs of India. And they have a policy that they do not allow any teachers or missionaries to come to India. So what Carey and Dr. Thomas want to do is technically illegal, according to the British government. Wow. It just seems like nothing's going their way. So how do they overcome this latest barrier? Well, as I said earlier, Carey believes God has called him to this endeavor, and he's going to trust God that he's going to provide a way. And there's this interesting story where Carey goes and visits with John Newton, who wrote that famous hymn, Amazing Grace. And John Newton encourages him. And, and later, he, he writes about William Carey's determination to go that no power on earth could hinder him. And so eventually, they find this captain who, who's willing to allow them to travel with them to India. Ah, so finally, they find a way. Well, not quite. Around this time, the French declare war on England. And there are these French privateers patrolling off the coast of England looking to sink ships. And so the captain starts off on the voyage and quickly brings the ship back into port to wait for some other ships to travel with them in in sort of a convoy. And while they're waiting in port, the East India Company gets wind of what they're planning, and they officially deny them passage to England. So the captain ends up leaving without them. But this ends up being providential because by this point, Carrie's wife as she's delivered her baby, and he and Dr. Thomas decide to go and visit with Carrie's wife to see the newborn baby. Oh, right. I forgot about Mrs. Carrie. So was William just going to go off to India without his family? Apparently so. This was a a different era, obviously, and and it wasn't uncommon for men to go off for work or military service for years at a time even. But William still really wants his family to stay together. And so when he arrives home and sees his newborn child, he begs his wife to come with him to India but she still refuses. And we have another dramatic scene here where Carrie and Dr. Thomas leave and they're walking down the street and Carrie just dejected and distraught that his wife has said no again. He sits down on the side of the road and begins to weep. And Dr. Thomas comes up and picks him up and says, come on, we're going back. It isn't right to break up a family like this. And so they go back to the house and Dr. Thomas very boldly tells Dolly, if God has told William to go to India, then his family needs to go with him. And, you know, she doesn't know what to say at first. And finally he says you know, that she could never be parted from her family, especially her beloved sister Kitty, who lives with them and happens to be in the room at the time. And the room goes silent for a while. And finally we see Kitty, you know, she stands up and she's shaking and says, if it keeps the family together, then I will go too. And so with that, Dolly finally agrees to go to India. What a great scene. I can just imagine Sweet Kitty standing up and making that declaration. So how do they overcome the denial of entry to India? Well, they find a a Danish ship. Denmark has a small colony in India. And the captain, whose name happens to be Captain Christmas... It just keeps getting better. I know, right? (laughs) He agrees to take Carrie and his companions... And God works in some amazing ways to provide the extra funds they need to take the whole family, and they sail for India. Oh, finally. I was wondering if they would ever get to that point. So I imagine a trip to India in the late 18th century was not an easy trip. No, it wasn't. I mean, you had to go all the way around the tip of Africa, and they encountered storms and sickness and all sorts of things. But there were also some humorous moments, and I just have to tell this story, even though it's not very important in the bigger picture of Carrie's journey. Oh, let's hear it. Well, when Carrie was in his 20s, he became very sick, 
and this sickness left him almost completely bald. He was kind of self-conscious about this, and so he has a wig maker in his congregation named Mr. Wilson make him a wig. And while he's on the ship one day, he goes up on deck and decides that you know he's starting a new life in India, and he doesn't need to hide his baldness under this wig anymore, and he takes it off and casts it overboard triumphantly. And Dr. Thomas, uh, Dr. Thomas, who's standing nearby, comes over and sort of laughs in relief and says, yeah, that Mr. Wilson was an excellent Christian, but he was one of the worst wig makers that was ever born. And so they have this good laugh together. And so despite everything that's happened to William Carey, he hasn't lost his sense of humor. <laughs> you really can't make this stuff up. It's just such a great story. So Carey finally makes it to India. And as we say, the rest is history. I know he went on to have an incredible impact both in India and his work was influential in raising up many laborers in England. So what are some highlights in your mind of Kerry's time in India? Well, there are just too many stories to tell in such a short time. But what is so amazing to me is when you look at any one moment during his time in India, I mean, best case scenario, you see him doing very mundane things, just kind of faithfully plugging away and working hard without a lot of tangible results, really. Or in many cases, you see very difficult and tragic things happening, sickness. Uh, He loses a child. His wife suffers a mental breakdown, which there had already been signs of mental health issues back in England, and she eventually passes away. Very, very difficult things. Yet in the midst of it, God is doing a very powerful work. I'll give you an example of this. You know, throughout the time Kerry is in India, he's working hard to translate the scriptures and get the word of God to the people there. And while he's away traveling at one point, the building with all the translation material, you know, all these manuscripts and the printing press, everything, all of it goes up in flames and is lost. Just years of work gone in one day. And Kerry returns and surveys the destruction and simply says, how beyond comprehension are the ways of the Lord. And just looking at this moment, you know, you might, just looking at that one singular moment, you might wonder, what are you doing, God? I mean, why? Why would you, you know, allow this to happen? But this moment ends up being the event that turns the tide for supporting missions back in England. Churches now, they hear about this. They rally behind the work there. They raise money to rebuild everything. And the gospel, you know, suddenly becomes a priority for the churches back in England, the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And and we have another one, one of these interesting overlaps uh, as William Wilberforce comes into Carey's story. Right. He was the one who fought to end slavery in, that, in the British Empire. That's right. And he fights in Parliament to repeal the law that bans missionaries and teachers from going to, to India, and he ends up winning. And so after this, the floodgates open and many more people go forth to share the gospel from England. God is so faithful, even in the midst of tragedy. Speaking of which, you mentioned Carey's family. I've heard some people speak of William Carey in a bit of a negative light, that he essentially threw his family under the bus to go do this missionary work. What do you think about that assessment? Well, I think we need to be careful to, to not speak authoritatively on matters of which God alone has the full picture. I mean, I, I'm certain that like all Christians, William Carey was a flawed man who had some blind spots, but I think we have so much to learn from him. You know, just to speak frankly, we live in a day in a culture that worships safety and comfort. I mean, the pendulum has swung in that direction, in my opinion. And the nations desperately need people who are willing to be pioneers like Carrie. They're willing to take a risk 
and it will be costly to do so. I mean, the Bible is really clear about that. And no one felt and experienced that cost more deeply than William Carey. So I think it's easy to sit here 200 years later and think about what he should or shouldn't have done. But I think we're much better served to learn from his perseverance and more importantly, from God's faithfulness in his life. Amen. Well, Brad, it looks like we are almost out of time. Do you have any final thoughts from William Carey's life? Well, I know we focused a lot of our time uh, on how Carey got called, was called overseas in that whole process rather than the things he did in England. And this was because I wanted to emphasize the resolve and the courage it takes to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. At any one of the obstacles that Carey faced, we probably would, would say today, well, I guess this wasn't meant to be, or maybe God is closing the door. There are always reasons not to go. And certainly God can close doors or redirect, but we also have an enemy in our flesh to contend with, and it's so important to have resolve and resilience if we're going to be a part of the gospel going to the ends of the earth. I think we also see, as I said earlier, the importance of pioneers in the missions endeavor, that people, when they can go ahead, they open the doors for others. That's a great word. I, I must say I have thoroughly enjoyed learning about William Carey. As have I. Well, we look forward to seeing you next time on the One Link Podcast. See you then. See you then. See you then.